Take care, everyone. Take care. Take care. Thank you for being with us and welcome to Awake Minute by Minute podcast. This is Minute 19. I'm your host, Chris, and with me we have the usual suspects, Priyank and Mike. Um, but we do also have a special guest today, so I'm going to introduce uh, Pablo in just one minute. But Priyank, um, how, how are you, mate? How's uh, everything in, in your world today? Hunky-dory. Hunky-dory. I think this is the scientific definition. I thought, we were, where's the weather up there? We're, we're, we're in the UK. We've got UK, Portugal. Uh, we've got LA. And then I think Pablo might be in Brazil, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But, but uh, good. Mike, Mike, how are you? You're in some All studio dandy. today. All dandy. Yeah, I'm in a friend's recording studio. So he's got loads of instruments and equipment. So I'm trying not to break anything, basically. Yeah, well, we'll not put you on the spot and ask for a little uh, guitar solo. Absolutely, I got a I got a flute here, but I don't know how to play it. So. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, good, good to good to see you and, and Pablo. Welcome to the podcast. And uh, maybe you you would take a, a minute or two to just introduce yourself. Where are you uh, in the world? Uh, we do have international listeners, so where whereabouts are you in the world, Pablo? Yeah, so great. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. So I'm currently in Brazil, in Porto Alegre. That's my hometown, even though I, I work in France and should be going there soon. And uh, very glad to, to be joining you today. Porto Alegre. Where is Porto Alegre? Is it, it's further south, I think. Yeah, it's like the southernmost uh, state in Brazil. So um, it's very close to the border with uh, Argentina and Uruguay. So... Mm -hmm. It's a bit colder here than you would expect in, in most of Brazil. So right now, I'm really like with a lot of coats and uh, <laughs> with heating on. So it should be a very different situation from yours. Yes, yes. Well, my fiance is Brazilian and she was showing me some video of uh, the snow that's falling in the south of Brazil. And everybody's yeah. running through the streets like, you know, gone mad. It's, it's not too far from the place where I am. So... <laughs> You have an idea how cold we are here. Yeah, yeah, it's shock horror. Um, we, we, we usually, by the way, Pablo, there's a, there's an inside joke where, you know, it's <laughs> developing, where there's usually a weather update at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> so, yeah. and, it, and it's usually Chris that's giving a very detailed Irish weather update. Irish weather update. <laughs> yeah, it, it usually snows, um, sunshine, <laughs> rains in one day, so it's quite... It's extreme there but I find myself in Portugal um to, to today so it's a little bit different but uh up in Sintra Portugal awesome uh -huh. any, any Portuguese listeners yeah so um Pablo maybe tell us how did you come onto the path of SRF so um I got into SRF I think about 15 years ago so I was a teenager I think it was like about 18 in Brazil and I discovered the group here and, and the way I got to discover SRF was really special for me. So there was um, a, a local radio show in my hometown in Brazil, in Porto Alegre, where occasionally there would be a guest that would come to talk about Oriental teachings, Oriental philosophies. And since I was a teenager, I was into those subjects. And I used to listen to this uh, radio show with this guy, which was, which, who was a, an elderly author who had written several books about Hinduism, Buddhism, Taoism. And I found his show and his books very interesting. 
And one day I was so interested in what he talked about that I looked upon the telephone book, the telephone directory, that's just giving away how old I am. Like people would <laughs> look into the telephone book at those times. And I look upon his number and I call him and I told him about like, oh, I read your books. I'm very interested in that. And we kind of became friends. And in that moment, like he became kind of a mentor telling me, you know, you know, like if you're interested in Buddhism, read this, read that. And, and that went on for a while. And after some time uh, that this was going on, I came to talk to him and I said to him, you know, I'm reading all those things. I find it very interesting, but I just found that at this point, I'm just going nowhere and just feel like stagnant. And at that point, he told me right away, you need to find a guru. But then he said like, but a true guru is very difficult to find. So what I suggest to you is to do the following. I'm going to give you three books. Then you read those three books and you see if you can connect with them. But not only that, you look at the pictures of the gurus who are in the book and you ask them to help you to kind of guide you to your right path. So I got the first book. It was not from Yogananda. And it was an amazing book of a truly authentic master. But whenever I would look at that picture, I didn't feel any kind of connection. So I say, okay, this is not working. And then I left it aside for probably a year. And then after a year, I came to the second book and it was the autobiography of a yogi. And right away, I felt like looking at the pictures of the masters and reading the book, like a deep connection. It was as, as those uh, gurus in the, in the pictures were alive. So there was like this connection right away. And as I was reading this book, there was this feeling, you know, uh, it is as if he's revealing to me something that I already know deep inside, even though it was not conscious, even though I was not aware, it's like revealing to me something that was already deep within me. So that's how I got to know SRF. And then I discovered there was a group in my city and that's how my journey began. began. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. So many times we've heard Yogananda's eyes being the thing that really grabbed people, just how he communicates, um, even even uh, in a picture. Uh, I think George Harrison said at the beginning of the uh, of the uh, movie, how his eyes uh, were, you know, zapped him uh, and, and kind of captivated him right from the get go. And so, so when did you first watch the movie Awake? Oh, wow. I think it was probably the first time it was available online. I don't remember. The, oh, no. I think it was probably in an SRF convocation when it became mm -hmm. available. I probably, I'm not sure, like three years ago, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure. But, um, uh, and I have watched many times since. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting that even though, like, you have been in SRF for many years, like when you see the movie, it just highlights some aspects or even facts that you were not aware, at least in my case. So uh, even, even for that reason, I have watched the movie many times just to crystallize in my mind all those things that I, I wasn't aware or that I hadn't paid too much attention before. Yeah, yeah, we, we had um, a few people from the movie come, come on uh, and do interviews with us and hearing their insights, uh, you know, their research that they've been to, you know, that's the reason I guess 
part of, part of the reason why we're doing this uh, show. Um, there's just so much content there, hence why we can actually have you know one hour coverages of every minute. So um, awesome, awesome, really great to have you. Um, so I can give a question actually. Go for it. Pablo Brazil is one of I think probably the third biggest following in SRF. I think I think something like that. Is that right? Why is it so big in Brazil? Right. It's, it's actually huge. So just like to give you a context, I think that we have about four or five retreats, SRF retreats in Brazil, like in different settings, like in beaches, in the mountains, everywhere. In the big cities, like, uh, for instance, Rio, on a Sunday service, you will have like about 150 people, I think in, in Salvador, Bahia, I think it can get up to 200 people in one Sunday service. Um, I mean, why? It's, it's always difficult to say why. People feel this connection. Maybe it's from past lives. I think Brazilian people, they are very devotional. And that's one aspect of the SRF path that connects very much with them. You know, this heart feeling, this devotion, this joy that is uh, so ingrained in Brazilian people. I think those are things that connect them a lot to Yogananda. You, um, I think you've lived in a couple of different places, haven't you? You lived in the UK, UK for a little while, and obviously that's where we met as a group. And you, yeah. you knew that obviously UK is a probably smaller community in, of self-realization fellowship uh, devotees. Do you feel like in Brazil, because it's so big, it, it feels much bigger, or is there any difference between the sizes of community and your connections and stuff like that? Right. So, I mean, the London group is quite big quite in the American sense, right? It's very big. <laughs> so, um, and I found the community there very like nurturing. So I, I didn't feel the, the, the difference in that sense. Uh, but of course, what you, you miss like are, are the, the friends that you make in each place, but that you basically miss everywhere you go. Like you, you leave a little bit your heart, of your heart in everywhere. <laughs> I, I understand you, you live in uh, Paris now. How is SRF over there? How is it in France? So in Paris, there is a group. Um, it's, it's much smaller than the London group, but there is a, a very dedicated group of devotees. And now there's also a retreat just outside Paris where people can go and uh, go for individual retreats. Uh, is it near... in the Palace of Versailles, for instance? <laughs> uh, I think it's the <laughs> Palace of Fontainebleau. It's close to the palace, Fontainebleau. It's actually in a palace. <laughs> no, no, it's not a palace. Sorry. It's like in the region where the palace is. Okay. It's, it's not in the palace. Like we didn't <laughs> get to this level yet. Awesome. Well, I can kick off the, uh, the minute 19 summary. Uh, and uh, we, we can go through the whole thing and then recap. And we'll go back, back over it. Uh, so at the beginning, uh, following the last last minute, we have Anupam Kerr's voice, uh, Yogananda's uh, voiceover, talking about uh, the nature of the body and the potential, uh, specifically, uh, of the body uh, being vast uh, and omnipresent. And uh, we see a computer-generated uh, human sitting in lotus posture uh, that disintegrates into particles and similar to, to the end of the last minute in that sense. Uh, where we saw a man standing disintegrating into particles um, and uh, the, the next uh, the next thing is uh, Yogananda's voice um, himself 
uh, and we see how uh, he talks about um, his perception of the earth uh, being nothing uh, but but movies of shadows and light and he likens this to the humans uh, as uh, light light and shadows uh, shadows of the lord um, he, he mentioned something curious here saying um, you know beyond purpose and, and you know I, i'll come back to this because i think that's uh, it's certainly an interesting comment that they, they decided to include put in there and as as we hear yogananda's voice we see um, pictures of old old school movie cameras you know vintage scenes of people watching you know a cowboy western uh, in in a cinema and uh, i thought it was funny there was a woman shaking her head in, in sheer shock at, you know being in watching uh, watching a movie she was totally engrossed um, and, and then we have some nice close-ups of of the camera and the camera reel uh, with the little boy dressed in his Sunday, Sunday best and he's turned around dramatically and looks towards the, the light of the shining um, camera with, with, you know, with curiosity. And finally, we have um, Masvidal's voice and, and uh, we, we have, um, have him there talking about you know, doors of perception and how the intellect is insufficient to, to open these doors and uh, suggesting that something really quite powerful would have to happen to shake us out of that comfort zone. To, to open these doors and the scenes then of, of India uh, once again you know people in boats on the river and you know things being burnt and burnt and bells ringing in the background so quite powerful scenes and um, plenty here to, to talk about so we can we can go back over these uh, one by one um, and of course uh, you know talking uh, talking about the initial comments of the nature of the body uh, I, I thought it was super super interesting. When he said, um, Yogananda here with Anupamkar's voiceover said, the potential of the nature of the body is vast and omnipresent. Um, Priyak, what, what's, uh, what's your take on this um, initial comments of, of the body and the nature of the body? It kind of goes back to what we were saying previously. Um, you know, in the previous minute, Pablo, we were talking really about the science of. Um, consciousness and how everything is connected and how you know there's a there's a vast infinite consciousness and your consciousness and like the the, the, the boundaries are blurry like when you really delve into the um, science of it and like I think this goes back to like um, if you think about like your body like it's like it's actually should like I don't know how to say it. It's, it should really be see-through because it's like virtually all of it is empty space, isn't it? Ninety-nine point nine percent of what you see here should be. It is empty space if you look at things on a molecular level. But actually, we see things as something gross. So inside, uh, inside of us, or inside every uh, atom and molecule, it's just space. It's ether. Um, so I think it's, it's something to do with, along with those lines, and that, that links well with the imagery of the, you know, the body disintegrating, as, as you said, the animation that we saw. Probably. Um, Mike, uh, what, what's, uh, when, when you hear about the potential of the nature of the body, what, what do you think he means by, by, this, by this word? Yeah, it's um, like Priyank said, like where we left off in the last minute, like Chidananda was describing <clears throat> the human body and things are not the way they seem, right? Because um, essentially we are, we are not those earthly beings. We are a soul inside a causal body, inside an astral body, inside a material body. And I feel like this is where this comes from when you say 
um, your body reaches beyond what you see. You're inside your human body. There's somewhere this this call it energy that is actually your contains your mind and it's connected to your soul. And that doesn't have the same boundaries as the material body. It doesn't have the same boundaries in space. Um, and potentially infinite, potentially infinite is basically um, it, at the end of the day, you are one with God and God is infinite. And I feel like that's where your infinity claim comes, comes from in the end. Pablo, hmm. um, you've read the autobiography of Yogi um, maybe more than once and in it, uh, there's lots of references to the cities and uh, how Yogananda's experience from, you know, uh, time to time, uh, individuals in his life showing their mastery over uh, the, the nature of matter and appearing and disappearing and being, you know, uh, being in two places at once and things like this. Um, is, is this, when, when you hear omnipresent, you know, as a body is omnipresent, uh, what, what, what are your thoughts? Because, you know, that's what, that's what my, my thoughts are triggered, like omnipresent. So it could be anywhere and everywhere at one time, uh, in a sense. What, what, where does your mind go when you hear these words? Right. So I think the first uh, place my mind goes, like, is it's really like Yogananda telling, like, I think his experience of a first samadhi that he describes in the auto autobiography of a yogi, you know, where, like, he describes how limitless his consciousness became when he had this experience. I think, of course, uh, not having gone through this experience yet, like, I don't think I can fully grasp. But, uh, uh, like, my mind first goes to this idea that uh, we, are much, we are much more vast than uh, our consciousness normally is. You know, and I think that meditation is a way that we are trying to constantly expand our consciousness and... Uh, and beyond the body. And these, uh, these experiences of yoga and the telling of his samadhi was the first thing that came to my mind about how can we go beyond this like limited notion of the body. Yeah, it's funny you said that. Um, whenever Yogananda is sitting and uh, I think Sri Yukteswar comes and, and, and gives him an experience to where he can see through walls. He's sitting there in a, in a, in a home. They can literally see through matter uh, for, for in the astral world. Like this is, I can only simply imagine it, you know, unfortunately so, so far. <laughs> I need to meditate deeper. But you know, th this is kind of what I, what I see. It's almost like the Matrix, uh, the, you know, the, the movie that I know we've got a few big fans of here when Neo like suddenly realizes that he's the one and he, everything's just numbers and he jumps into the bodies of, of, the, uh, of, of the bad guys, of the agents. This is kind of like where my mind goes uh, a little bit, you know, it, on these kind of paths as well, um, which I think is, is so exciting, isn't it? Because imagine having, trying to have like this simple, you know, uh, very, very, very short sentence in a conversation with somebody 100, 200, 300, 500 years ago. Um, you know, you'd probably be burnt at the stake at some point in history, you know, for even talking about the body being anything but flesh. Um, 
So yeah, it's really it's really exciting. I, I don't know what, what you guys think about that. It's really exciting in my yeah. view. I was um, just um, I was just re looking at the Samadhi poem that Pablo just uh, mentioned, and uh, I think that the bit that he probably may have been talking. There's two bits that sounded like he could have been talking that. So there's two lines. One of them is, oh, "Go on, Pablo." Oh, sorry, I heard some echoing. Um, it says, um, "I swallowed, transmuted all into a vast ocean of blood of my." own one being so there's that line um, that that seems to ring true to what we're what we're talking about now and then there is another one um, uh, well first of all what do you think of that line do you think that that resonates with that what we're talking about yes totally that that's the the spirit of what i was i wasn't thinking about specific line but that totally fits what i was thinking about <laughs> Yeah, uh, so there's others, but I'd, and he also tells us to um, memorize that poem. I don't know if anyone has uh, been successful in that. I also heard that I, I, from an SRF monk like that he he suggested that people they they should read and even memorize this this poem. I don't know if you heard that as well. Yeah, because that yeah. for your consciousness to to be accustomed and to, to this idea of omnipresence of of liberation and, and to try to prepare for that. <laughs> and, yep, say it again, say it again, Priyank. I think that warrants a repeat. So, okay, I might as well say it again then. So uh, there's two lines I wanted to say. One of them is, um, um, oh gosh. Um, I swallowed, transmuted all into a vast ocean of blood of my own one being. And there is one more line that seems to be related also, which is Samadhi, but extends my conscious realm beyond limits of the mortal frame to the farthest boundary of eternity. Hmm. Pretty awesome. I, I, I also love um, Yogananda's comments on the uh, think eternal, think infinite. And when, when I hear these words, you know, it does similar things to me when I when I heard the first um, for the first time cosmic consciousness. When you think for a cosmic level, you, you kind of naturally get into that synchronization with infinity and with eternity. Um, so those words are really beautiful. Thanks, thanks for sharing. Um, I just like remember one thing more that I, I thought it would be worth sharing. I think there's like this this uh, video or DVD by Rinalini Mata, where she describes when she was with Yogananda, when he had like this big Samadhi experience that was much profound than his previous uh, Samadhis in 1948. And there's like a part uh, of that video where she describes that he was talking directly with God with, in the form of that Divine Mother during this deep Samadhi. And uh, he was talking loudly so that the disciples would understand what was going on. And in this conversation with Divine Mother, sometimes uh, the guru would say, like, God would expand his consciousness, like, to different realms, to different universes, even. And then they say, wow, like, is that all that has? Like, my consciousness has been greatly expanded and have much more conscious. Is that all that that is? And then Divine Mother saying, no. And then he, it would expand even more wow. his consciousness, like beyond, we can perhaps even imagine. Wow. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think Western I need to rewatch that DVD. Do you remember what it's called? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know what it's called, the DVD? Do you know what it was called, Pablo? I think it's in his presence, but I might have to check. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, send it to us. We'll, uh, we, could, we could include it in some analysis. Yeah, yeah and uh, Mike, I have, a, I have a, a technical question for you being the computer guy of the group. Um, Okay. The, the IT engineer, Priyank, that's uh, the official title now. Um, <laughs> and the, the computer generated human sitting in Lotus posture that disintegrates into this, like, you know, you know, uh, thousand particle form. How hard is that to do? Because, you know, we've seen it a couple of <laughs> times now. You, you know, have you, how hard is that to do? Like, um, I'm not an expert in 3D modeling. Um, uh, is it hard to do? I think these, it probably was hard to do maybe 10 years ago or something. Now it is probably a filter or a button in some 3D modeling program that you press and it, it just happens because it's a common effect that you see in other parts as well. So yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's that difficult, but yeah. I, I think this, this kind of um, effect that, that you get from it is something that People use it in all, all kinds of ways. Like you, you see it like sometimes um, someone becomes, I don't know, birds and they fly away or butterflies <laughs> and they fly away and stuff. It's, it's just um, some uh, a very nice effect. It reminded me, um, I think I just rewatched the Matrix movies uh, years ago as Priyank changes his image to multitude of faces smiling or like, <laughs> for anybody watching youtube you can say that's beautiful uh, <laughs> I did that so, that wasn't a computer i just thought of it, it. just happened yeah <laughs> <laughs> manifestly no no and uh you know how you how you um how technology moves quite quickly and i guess the guys you know doing the um directing and editing of of the film would have had to keep up the technology because this they made this film over a six-year period so you know, back six years um, prior to the release of 2014, uh, yeah, 2008, really, they started started doing this. So, so much would have been changing in that time. So looking back, it does look like it's getting old to my my lay person eye. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it certainly would have had an impact um, at the time. So we you can know, we can you know every 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 ape in the planet of the the recent Planet of the Apes film is all computer generated imagery. Did you know that? Yeah. All, all, all of them. All of them. For the old film, that actually use apes, right? But here, like, they, they literally, they zoom in, for example, right into the, the, the middle of his eye and zoom out. And it looks, like, incredibly real. Obviously not that relevant to uh, this awake film, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's only going to get more surreal, isn't it? More, more, yeah. We're going to identify it more as real. I remember, yeah, even even further afield, my dad thought FIFA Eleven was real back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, did you guys see this uh, the movie The Irishman about Jimmy yeah. Hoffa? Yeah, and yeah. and uh, you had Robert De Niro looking like he's thirty five, right, in the whole mm -hmm. movie because they just um, auto like they changed his face with a mm -hmm. computer algorithm to make him look young. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I a whole one hour talking about all the different tech that's uh, that's uh, available nowadays. 
um, artificial reality and all sorts. Um, but cool. So going back to the to the analysis, then shall we with Yogananda's voice, and you know we hear his voice um, uh, coming for for ten or fifteen seconds, and he's talking about the perception of, of Earth that he has uh, being nothing but movies and shadows and light, uh, and then he likens it to, to, to human beings. This is a great analogy and one that he uses many times, um, you know, in whether it be in song or, or uh, in, in his, in his uh, uh, talks. And I, I just thought to myself, sometimes I do see in, in life, in everyday life, little things that remind me of analogies of God and how our place um, in, in, in life is simply illusionary to one degree or another uh, and uh, I thought I would ask the maybe rather difficult question to each of you I'll start Pablo I'll, I'll throw you the hospital back no. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what difficult you inside with them <laughs> yeah exactly give me some time to think well I yeah I kind of I, I kind of agree well, Priyank, you're going to jump in I think. what's the question the question is, what I can what answer you, to I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ask, answer your own questions. Yeah. Now, um, what would you say is something in life, in, in, in real life, that has reminded you, just as Yogananda uses the analogy of this cinema screen uh, of, of and God? You, and you cannot use the matrix. You can't <laughs> use the matrix. It's already my, my shock on it. Well, I've got, I've got a parallel. Um, discussion, but I think Pablo said he's he was kidding, so he can actually field this question. Being of um, you know, Pablo, we've got this analogy where like we like to give really hard questions, and we call them hospital passes because you know in football, when like you're in defence yeah. and someone gives you a pass where you're going to get tackled and taken out of the game, so it's called a hospital pass. And similarly, we do this with questions. But you being a Brazilian, you know, the best footballing nation in the history of the game. You should be able to receive hospital pass, not only receive it, but actually <laughs> dribble up the pitch and score a goal. Go on, Pablo. Well, I'll get that fast, but I have, to, not I have to confess I'm not great at soccer anyway. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I'm, not ex I'm not sure that's exactly the answer you wanted, but uh, I think the message behind like this whole idea of like the life as a movie for me was the idea that like we should not become too attached to life, you know, like you cannot become too attached to what happens externally to you, you know, because like life sometimes is good, you go through good experiences, but inevitably you are going to go through bad experiences, difficult situations, you know. So what did this, this, this quote of Yogananda reminded to me was that when you are going through those ups and downs in life, you know, which are inevitably you just cannot be too much attached to what is happening. You have to, um, of course, you have to enjoy what is good and, and, and grieve sometimes the difficult situations, but remembering that the ultimate reality is not what is external. And then try to search for what is re the real truth or what is the real, uh, um, real thing within. And... Uh, that's basically what this quote reminded me of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Priyank, we'll, we'll go switch to you next. Uh, any, any examples of uh, great analogies that uh, you use when you think about God and the, the nature of reality? So is this for me? <clears throat> go, go for it, yeah. Um, so 
when I read these or hear this quote, to me, the like really deep philosophical questions come out. And I'm, I'm sidestepping your question a little bit, Chris, because I don't have- I'll, I'll, let, it, I'll let it go. <laughs> solid response. But um, to me, the, the real, you know, the, the question of where does free will end and where does destiny or fate begin? That question really comes to my mind when Yogananda uses this example of, um, you know, life is just a, a movie and, you know, the projector and the screen of duality and all that stuff. And I, and I really ponder, ponder the where, so where do I fit into that story? And, you know, in Yogananda's, um, in the, in the film, in the poem, back to, back to that poem, Samadhi, he says, um, thoughts of all men, past, present to come, every particle of universal dust, I swallowed, transmuted all. And so he's kind of, in, in that, he's kind of saying that he, he's, he's seen everything that was, everything that is and everything that will be. So where in that is our free will then? Or are we just playing, are we just uh, reading a script in this, you know, is someone reading the script and we're playing the role like robots? Where, where is our free will? I mean, I don't, I don't think I have an answer to it, but I'll provide my thoughts. That I think that there's probably an infinite number of uh, things that might happen in, any moment, so it's infinitude on infinitude, um, and and that goes beyond my imagination. But there's probably you could choose to do anything in this very moment. But you know, given that time might not necessarily exist in our linear version of it, uh, we're simply going through and experiencing one one um, modality of it, of story. But yeah, that's just that's just my thoughts, I guess. But playing computer games, it, uh, I think, has actually helped me in that. <laughs> because in a computer game, in sandbox, you can literally do anything at that moment. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts on that. But you did you, you skipped the question. You skipped the question. <laughs> it's because I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> yeah. React probably doesn't have an answer for, for it. <laughs> Mike, go on. You can uh, shed some light, I'm sure. I mean, this. Uh, I feel like the question is a, is a bit tricky. I The only thing I, I would say is that this, um, this same kind of um, metaphor of the movie screen has been used in, in different ways, in different kind of stories, right? It's... I think um, Plato talks about uh, the cave, right? Where you have things happening outside and you are inside the cave. You don't see the things, but you see the shadows of the things moving past on the cave's wall. And then of course the idea would be you step outside the cave and then <laughs> you see the whole picture. And I feel like that's a bit similar to the, the movie theater. What I want to say about the scenes in, in the movie theater Theater, you see first you see this woman that is incredibly engrossed in the film so I think this is a, a film about a war and she's like suffering with it and this is an analogy for us being too entangled in life or like Pablo said too attached in life because when bad things happen then I feel like it's so important to stop go inside and say what is actually happening you know like this is happening to me. Why is that? What is the lesson? 
and to trying to detach, it's super hard, but trying to detach oneself from the actual thing that is happening because it's not really happening to us, the soul. It is happening to our act that we're playing in, in the movie. Um, and the second one is the kid, right? The kid watches the movie, but it's not super into it, I guess. And then it looks towards the light, towards the, the, uh, the movie projector. And then you hear also the voice. It's like, what is the goal? The goal is to see where the light is coming from. And that is, um, that is like two fantastic scenes that, that illustrate um, the, the quote of Yogananda. <laughs> I would ask a very difficult follow-up question, but I think I'll just give my, <laughs> give my musings on it instead. You, you said um, about being detached. It's quite difficult at times to be detached. And I was going to say, well, how would you, how would you go about actually being detached? But I, I, th I think um, just to provide my thoughts on it and jump in to anybody, you know, um, with, with theirs, but uh, it, it is quite difficult from moment to moment. Um, and Jürgen Anders said it, it is very difficult to, to um, not be so engrossed in the moment of the of the movie reel of your life to to um, put your mind back onto God. Um, I feel and, I feel. Oh yeah, go for it. Sorry. No, no. I, I was only going to say um, sometimes uh, maybe the question is framed wrong. We don't we don't necessarily need to try to detach ourselves from it or have some modality there. It's more simply be, being aware of of the grander context and the infinitude, and then it. Just kind of melts away the illusion melts away on its own you don't need to pry it off and you know do something get it away it just disappears on its own if you focus um focus on god um self all the time um yeah yeah that's a, that's a very balanced approach that you're taking there and I, I i think that's also a worthwhile approach i feel like the way life often works is um that's a an un fortunate reality is that um, suffering is often being used to take your mind off life and focus it on God. Um, because when you, when, you, when you go through life and you, have, you hit a rough patch, then you have those moments where you look at what is this? What, what am I doing wrong? Uh, and it changes your perspective. Um, and then I feel like then life feels like, okay, now I, may, I, I, let, I suffered him too much and now I'm losing him. So then it gives you some good experiences. So you get wrapped, all wrapped up in life again. And then it builds up to the next bad thing that happened to you. So if you constantly keep that awareness, that's a, it's a very good approach, Chris, I think. You know, this shadow and light uh, business, mm -hmm. it's such a good analogy Right, and you know, we I think we've said it here already, but just to kind of um, mention it again, it's the uh, it's it's the idea of good and bad, right and wrong, positive and negative, all exist within the realms of duality, uh, yeah. and uh, really beyond that, to 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 be fully enlightened, you know, Yogananda talks about these things simply being states of existence, and and God is beyond all of these things. Uh, and it, it's such a, a relief in a sense to kind of to kind of know that because people say, well, you know, if God is, you know, uh, God and oh, so powerful, why does He allow bad things to, to be? But they're simply, you know, think things uh, occurring in in this realm beyond where God really um, uh, ex exists uh, is, is my idea of it. But something I, I did want to touch on here, he talks about beyond purpose. You know, uh, this this is uh, really the nature of reality 
and and purpose is a funny one because I think somebody with a strong purpose can be quite quite dangerous. <laughs> I think as we've seen in history with, with that. But what, what's your idea of this beyond purpose comment that that Yogananda has? And anybody can jump in here. Does anybody have any any comments on what Yogananda really means as when he when he says that you know this is beyond purpose? Um. I can go again. Um, when I think of purpose, I think of um, Jungian philosophy because that's where this word purpose come is in a lot, like by Carl Jung, um, because he says like you are born with a purpose usually, and following that purpose is what you need to do. If you don't do it, you become depressed, and and if you do it, you feel accomplished. And everyone has a different one, kind of. And maybe when Yogananda says beyond purpose, it means that regardless of what your purpose is, um, this is not right. purpose won't, won't get you to God, but um, finding God is the ultimate purpose in life. Uh, Chris, isn't the, isn't the script that um, there's one purpose, which is to get to the bee? It, it could be, I heard beyond purpose. Uh, okay, I, I thought it was, there's it one purpose. It should be there's one purpose. I think so, yeah. Which kind of resonates with, uh, with uh, yeah, I think so. Because <laughs> beyond purpose is quite a weird. It's not weird, but as 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 Mike as Mike just said, you could uh, you could reference that as well. Because uh, which purpose are you talking about? But if you're talking about the ultimate purpose, then then yeah, you're talking about um, God realization, isn't it? We we mentioned. I think uh, Pablo, Chris, and I. Chris, Mike, and I, we mentioned, we discussed this in the last um, minute, like what is the purpose of, how we describe the purpose of life. Um, and uh, previously I'd, I'd said something along the lines of God realization through Satchitananda, which was in ever, ever conscious, ever existing, ever new bliss consciousness, um, which, is, which is also what Chidananda's name kind of derives from. Well, how would you define Pablo, the purpose of life or the meaning of life? I, I think like th that's probably the, the the definition that I would give and just like to make it more uh, like even more simple, I would just say like bliss consciousness or God consciousness, which is basically a consciousness of, of bliss, you know, of really ecstasy. I think that's in the, in the end game, the what we are truly looking for, you know, we are looking for God, but what God is, as you said, is like Satchitananda, is this eternal existent, conscious um, bliss that we feel. So whatever we are doing, even if we have to be disciplined or if we have to, to follow certain um, meditation practices, we should not ever forget that the, what we want to achieve is this consciousness of bliss, you know, and I think if you have this notion, very positive notion, very upbeat notion of what God is, it, it, you know, it helps you, you know, because you're not just making a sacrifice to meditate or just to be a good person for anything, you know, I mean, not that it should be a sacrifice, but sometimes you, you have to be disciplined, but it's something that it's at every moment, at every second, putting you closer to attaining this, this consciousness of true happiness of true and profound happiness nice the um and you're gonna in the next line and i'll paraphrase so we don't use the exact script he is he says um to get to the source is the purpose pretty much that's what he says to the, in, in the next line and he uses the movie you know the picture screen analogy and 
get to the source of the of the beam that's the um, the purpose of our life which is obviously and the method or the result of doing that could be such as as what you've uh, just uh, described as well um but you know before we move on i'd like to um uh talk about yogananda's elevated state if i may so we we know um obviously yogananda is a guru a self-realized master uh, we like to uh, us in, on this path we call him a prem avatar which is an incarnation of love and i just i was just, as we were talking about this i just thought of like what is the difference between god which is you know the source of the beam as it were and the manifestation of god in a guru such as yogananda and i was just thinking and i was relating it to to the poem uh, the samadhi poem as well and and you know he says i swallowed and transmuted all into my own one being he says like you know all these all these things that are like really really cosmic and profound and i was just thinking like he's in this he's in this ocean of cosmic consciousness and like to come out he's like he's, he's imagined i'm just imagining swimming in this ocean of consciousness and his his head might be out and that's his 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 um like portrayal or like his manifestation on this planet he's just he's just come out of cosmic consciousness just to come in and you know like uh, be that guide for us hmm. yeah i wonder if he cried a lot as a baby just when he was born or was he, was he already peaceful <laughs> Yeah, um, and there there must be so many uh, occasions over you know the course of history where beings like him have come onto onto Earth uh, and and had uh, a similar purpose to bring light uh, into the world of shadows uh, on on the theme of, of this minute. Um, yeah, what Pablo would would um, would you say really with Yogananda? Uh, on, on this note, has I, I like to ask this question? We've asked it of a couple, uh, a couple of people in the past. Has been like your biggest learning from from him, or what, what would you say if you, if you come away with anything uh, as as a lesson from Yogananda? What what that, what would that be? Oh, that's a, a really difficult question. I mean, lesson. So uh, I mean, there's two things that came to my mind. If I had to. To, to, to say like a word, like in a more like intellectual way. I think there's like this, this quote from the autobiography of a yogi that says like, make a spiritual effort now and everything will become better in the future. I think, you know, that's, that's the silver line of, uh, you know, like it, it's, if you really want things to get better, like it's, it's really true spirituality and, and, and achieving this greater connection with God, you know? And it, it will be better if you do that. Uh, but in terms of like experience, uh, how do I feel like that it has made a difference in my path? I think it's just like really the, like your consciousness, you know, you, you start, it, it's very simple, but at the same time, difficult to describe. It's just like your consciousness that changes in subtle ways, but in important ways, you just become a bit more calm, a bit more, happy it's a, as simple as that in my view mm. yeah yes um, all, there's always different answers i think to that which is the coolest thing right because we're all drawn to, to master uh from our own backgrounds or you know he, he knows exactly 
what it is as well to help train us and guide us through the path. Um, so yeah, it's always nice to hear. So thanks, thanks for sharing. Um, before we um, before we move on to the next scene, Pablo, can I also ask you? I, I also we like to discuss Yogananda's not just his physical form, his face, etc. I think you've already described that. But you when can you recall when you first heard Yogananda's voice? And in particular, like in the film, there's lots of his voices of, you know, actual voice. Can you describe, can you recall your experience then? And your, or if not, can you tell us about your experience now when you hear his voice? Thunderous. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, like, uh, you know, this guy is really powerful, like thunderous. Yeah. <laughs> was that then or now? Well, like the first time, I think it was even more because I was surprised, you know, like, uh, because it, it, I, I didn't know how his voice was. And, and then you're caught by surprise. But still today, I think, like, <laughs> powerful. <laughs> if, we, if we think um, Yogananda's voice is thunderous, can you imagine what Sri Yukteswar's voice would have been like? Wow. <laughs> He's probably, oh probably mad a few words, right? So, you know, spoken words. <laughs> And uh, yeah, the actions speak louder, louder than words for Sri Yukteswar. That's what I imagine when, when you said it. You know. And, and it's funny because I think the first like video I watched from SRF was like Sri Dayamata, which is like very loving, very kind, you know, very not contained, but like just loving and sweet. And then Yogananda is like this thunder of power. <laughs> yeah, it's probably why it's so popular in Brazil. <laughs> he's uh yeah he's 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 too much for most of us brits you know mm -hmm. um but then uh yeah right at home in, in brazil uh uh because you guys speak very much more like uh like the italians you know with emotion and uh Ze you know zealand in your voice don't you how is his voice for austrian mike <laughs> familiar <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> cool so any any any, any more uh, questions for pablo before we go on i got infinite questions for pablo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, let's go let's move on well yeah yeah in um in the last scenes you know we, we as i mentioned here uh, mass fidel's voice and he was a guest uh he, he's been a guest in, on the podcast and uh, if you haven't heard him uh, definitely worth a listen and he comes, he comes across, um, you know, with such, uh, you know, interesting and, and powerful comments here about the doors of perception. And I just wondered, you know, what does he really mean by door? It's a very abstract term, isn't it? The doors of perception. What, Pablo, what, what, what do you think he means by that? Doors of perception. I will paraphrase the, paraphrase the whole section, which is our experience is not, is limited our experience is limited by intellect and we have to be shaken to come out of that just intellectual mode way of thinking. So I just paraphrased that whole um, thing section that he said. Yes, thank you, Greg. Right, so I think that every experience that we have is limited in many ways by, by the way we have been thinking, by the way we think, you know, by the way, and, and of course, by all our senses, you know, by the sight, by the smell, by everything and the way that these interact with our intellect. So um, I think it's about breaking all like these preconceptions, breaking these subconscious biases and uh, allowing our consciousness go beyond what is external to what is the, the truth really, you know? 
but in in the end like what is what is the truth what is the reality it's not something that we can even totally grasp intellectually it's just like some experience that you can live intuitively you know so in the end like if you really want to have this deep ecstatic experience go have an expansion of consciousness you cannot stay in the intellect it has to be beyond that Mm -hmm. And um, the second section is that we have to be shaken. Mm -hmm. So, like, um, so he's saying to, to come, we have to come out of that. You know, just living on logic and stuff like that. And do you do you have any experience that you can think of where you where where a shaking experience has actually been beneficial for your, um, you know, spiritual awakening, as it were? I can think of some things for myself. If you can't think of any. <laughs> Well, actually, I can think of many things. It's, I mean, it's it's just about like whenever you you feel like vulnerable in your ego, you know, when sometimes you feel offended, you know, like somebody didn't pay attention to me, somebody said something that uh, I didn't like, you know. Normally, that connects mostly with with the ego, you know, because if you're really centered in yourself, if you're really humble. Uh, if if the ego is not too much uh, close to your soul, you know those things don't touch you. So I think most of these experiences that we have, you know, like uh, somebody didn't pay attention to me, or I don't like the way that people looked at me, you know, this these little things that the ego react, they are little experiences that you know that the intellect doesn't let our doors of perception be more open because what we truly are as a soul is like pure and unconditional love and wisdom and um, understanding beyond words. And if we are hearing like our small ego saying all those things all the time, that we are not like fully living who we are truly, who we truly, who we truly are. And um, on, the, on this note, uh, Priyank, just to follow up on this is, I've heard whether people are in the temple or in the bar, they're living for the same thing. And it, it, it's quite a powerful statement in, in itself because I think so many people, uh, myself included in the past, Mass Vidal talked about this, you know, how he got onto the path was he really kind of had to hit some form of rock bottom. Uh, and so many people do in one form or another. A lot of the cases that's drugs or, you know, the abuse of alcohol and different things, and relationships might break down and, and I, rem I remember really quite distinctly when I was a kid, you know, or 15, 16, looking at some people in at my age group who maybe had started drinking really early and, and they hit some kind of wall in life and you could tell they were suffering so deeply. Uh, and then they turned to God, right? And this was early on in my years. And I kind of thought to myself, like, this is before I became spiritually um, kind of driven, I thought to myself, gosh, you know, they're, they're maybe looking for answers or, may, you know, maybe going towards some kind of um, secularism, you know, in religion to, because they, they, they failed, they failed at, at life, you know, and they're finding, finding comfort in, in other areas. And I, I almost looked at it, I'll have to admit, as a weakness of, of some people at the time. But li little did I know, did I know then, but I look back now to say that this person was really seeking God and was going down the wrong path because that's what society kind of said that, you know, you do these things and you'll be 
socially accepted and you'll have joy uh, through relationships in that sense. But the outcome is very negative. Uh, and Yogananda talks about this a lot, you know, having the, the sweetness of honey and, but, you know, maybe poison inside and, and, and vice versa. Uh, there, there's so many things that life throws at us to take us onto a path where, you know, this is promising joy and delivers nothing. Um, uh, and then you have to live the life of discipline to, to follow the true path. Uh, and that initially tastes very bitter because you think it's so restrictive. Like there's so many things you have to stop doing, you know, uh, to, to follow the, the fine line of, of, um, of uh, looking for God. But then actually the sweetness that comes with that is, is really the, the beautiful thing and worth fighting for. So when I, when I heard, heard this for the first time, I thought, no doubt souls will all experience this. And I think this is where Buddhism comes in to say that life is pain and suffering. Unfortunately, it's because of ignorance, right? And we're too ignorant to kind of see the, what's the end goal of these activities. Um, so yeah, uh, I, yeah, so that, that's, that's my, my thoughts, but Mike, jump in. I think even if you, if you know the end goal already, it doesn't mean you're going there, right? And um, like, imagine you go like, you live your life, you recently or not so recently, that said I'm not I want to be on the spiritual path and then you pray to God God spiritualize my life spiritualize my ideas and I mean sometimes he those ideas just change subtly in your mind and you don't even notice sometimes there's like real samskaras attached to them that need to be broken out a bit right and then it needs a more intense experience to get rid of them and this what you call rock bottom sometimes this is a blessing for people right uh, it reminds me of uh, sister Gianna Mata who had this famous quote I think where she says like don't change any of the circumstances in my life change my attitude towards them right and um, I feel like when you have a guru he will try to not overburden you with those experiences he will give you one and he'll be like, okay, that's enough for him right now. Let's, let's let him recover and then give him the next one later on. Um, and then I feel like those hardcore devotees, they sometimes, if you look at their lives, they get those left and right, those kind of experiences and they just maneuver them. And that, that's a part of life, but might look negative from the outside, but can also be incredible blessings because they steer your life in the right direction to where you actually want to go. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And Priyank, what, uh, you, you said you had quite a few of these powerful experiences. Can you share any hmm. with us? Yes, I can. So many, um, I suppose most, mostly relationships, but uh, experiences in my life, they lead me to think of this chant. In the valley of sorrow are those in tears or till tomorrow. In the valley of sorrow a thousand tears or till tomorrow, but I'll wait to see only you, 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 just you. That summarizes it for me. Um, and I've actually I've put that, uh, I don't know, you, there's a little sign next to my meditation room. And, uh, and I've got um, every, every, you know, everything else can wait. 
you know, but this cannot wait and something else. Mm. There's um, uh, know it now or in a thousand or a million incarnations. Uh, how long do you want to spend in this valley of sorrow, you know, in this in this world where there's duality of pleasure and pain and suffering? And um, I don't want to spend much longer, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh, so if I can quickly, I just wanted like to to share a story that I remember that uh, Brother Satyananda told exactly about this thing about breaking the ego. Uh, he said he was once with uh, in a Christmas meditation led by Mirinalini Mata, and as she was praying, she prayed like God uh, impinge your love upon us. And then he said that once he he heard that word impinge, he said, Oh, come on, like. This is just too violent, you know, impinges about invading forcefully, uh, putting yourself upon us. And then he said that he wrote a letter to Rinalini Mata protesting, you see, like, I don't think this word is appropriate for this prayer, you know, like, I, I don't like it, like impinge. And then three or four months passed, she never replied to him. And then one day he was walking near the ashram in the street and she came walking in the distance. And once she saw him, she looked at him and purposefully started walking in his direction. And then the first thing that she said, you, so, you see, like, you, so you don't want God to impinge yourself upon us? So basically, there's, there's a point where the intellect is so ingrained upon us that unless there is some forceful, some strong intervention, it's very hard to dislodge the ego from, uh, from its position. So, so she encouraged him, like, so we should pray really, like, God, like, impinge your love upon us. It has to be strong for the ego sometimes to be dislodged. That's, maybe that's why Yogananda's voice is so powerful to us. We're so thunderous. The impingement is uh, certainly <laughs> there, isn't it? Why are you meditating? <laughs> why didn't you meditate last night? Yeah. It says, wake, saint wake right and, and it's so awesome to to think that you know every saint was a sinner that didn't give up in, in a sense and, and there's struggle and, and, and uh effort sufficient effort to be made and and um yogananda talked uh talks uh, about knowing your enemy and knowing the knowing the effort that you have to put towards uh overcoming your enemy uh, and that in itself is very powerful because you know, give the devil or Satan credit where, where credit is due. It's a very, very powerful foe. So you have to simply um, muster all the courage and all the strength you can. And that's what you're going to have to talk about. You know, be be a warrior, right? Now he talks about this, you know, being be a you know, spiritual warrior. Um, so, you know, par powerful powerful stories on, on, on my side. I think um, there, there's been one or two times when uh, going through the world of Maya, coming out of it and, and realizing nothing sufficient to satisfy whatever whatever thirst I had uh, and then hearing hearing Yogananda's words through the autobiography of, of Yogi I've never read a book so fast uh, and, and that was you know that whenever I started reading, reading that book I realized that I was so thirsty for that information uh, and and just had to had to run run around circles before eventually I got shunted onto the path but by a friend of mine. Um, so, uh, shall we shall we look at the last um, part of the uh, of this minute? And we talked about um, Mass Vidal's comments here, uh, and 
as he's talking, there's scenes from India uh, and it's showing people on the boats from the river uh, and something's being burnt on the side. And I kind of thought to myself, I need to ask Priyank, what is going on here in these scenes? Because there's you know, dozens and dozens of people congregating around the river's edge. I've never been to India and maybe Papu, I'll come to you first. To, you know, have, have you been to India? Have you seen these scenes that are depicted in this minute uh, where there's you know, maybe thousands of people surrounding rivers and so many different scenes happening with people burning bodies and different things that's uh, very, very different to, to what happens probably in Brazil. And, uh, the, the oh, West yeah. Africa. Yeah, that's something typically Indian. I think like Priyank would, would be able to tell more exactly about what it is. Uh, but I think there's like the cremation going on to some extent. And, and I think there's also people who are like, doing some devotional practices in, in, in the Ganges. Uh, you've, never, you've never been there? I, yeah, yes. So I've been to India once, but I, I just passed quickly through the gods. I, I haven't uh, really spent too much time there. Craig, what, what's, what's going on in these scenes? And is that, is that the case, do you think? Um, yeah, yeah certainly it's cremation. And we've seen the, these scenes before, so that's... Um, probably just down the road from Lahima Shai's uh, house and uh, so it's in Kashi. Um, so I think it's the same same kind of uh, city as we had before in the previous scene. So yeah, certainly is a cremation going on and made all the more powerful because it seems to be in the evening, in the evening sun and uh, yeah, everything's uh, glistening and there's some, there's, some, uh, there's some aura about that scene, isn't there? It's very moving. Mm -hmm. Uh, what I thought was particularly interesting was the ringing of the bell and it was just charming in the background um, and it reminded me of Yogananda, I think it was Yogananda saying that um, the bell was really created in India many, many uh, years ago when uh, you would have people in states of meditation um, hearing these different sounds as, as we know going through the lessons uh, of SRF. Uh, one of them being bells ringing um, in, in, in the right ear. And so this is um, the human effort to try to reenact and bring in from the heavens, like the, the sounds of heaven um, into earth. So the bell supposedly, I've, I've tried to look this up uh, plenty of times on, on Google and online. I, I can't quite find the information, but yeah, I mean, if Yogananda says it, it's good enough for me, but um, uh, this, this was ringing in the background uh, of these scenes and just made me, almost, you know, get transfixed in, you know, for a very short space of time. Um, yeah, uh, so, so there you have it. That's, um, that's the, the, the whole minute. Any, any final comments? Um, I think we've come past an hour for recording, gents. So um, Pablo, any, any final comments from, from you on, on the course of the minute? Right, so like just what came to my mind as I saw this cremations going on, I just, uh, Remember it, I think, I think it was Yogananda, but I don't want to affirm because I'm not entirely sure, but like many yogis says that, say that like uh, it's beneficial to uh, meditate in, in cemeteries because it reminds you of the, how life is passing, you know? So if you're there meditating and thinking about thousands of things and then you remember, oh, you know, sometimes, sometimes that's uh, how life goes, you know? So, uh, I just remember that, like that, somehow that could be related to to, to the gods. I don't know, you know, like just remember how life is passing, you know, and you have to make a spiritual effort now.
Thank you, Mike. Anything, anything from you? No, just to thank Pablo for his uh, inclusion. Thank you so much for joining us. It was lovely to have you and to see you, I guess, see you and speak to you after a couple of years, Pablo. Yeah, thank you so much. It was it was really a pleasure to be here, and uh, I very much enjoyed the the vibration of this talk. <laughs> last time Pablo, um, I think last time I saw Pablo, he he got he bought me a small gift after my um at that um wedding vow wedding. ceremony. Yeah, yeah. You remember we had that ceremony at um, when the monks came uh, with my wife yeah. and I, and uh, Pablo gave me a little travel altar, and um, oh, wow. And uh, yeah, it's been a big feature of my life now. I see it's on the it's on the wall there. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I've got I've got two nice. now, and I've made one for my wallet as well. So I've got three travel altars. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you still, still have it. <laughs> really nice. Yeah, really good. Pablo, I'll be moving to Brazil in two weeks, so I'll be um, I'll be moving over. But when when are you moving to uh, France? Probably by September. I don't have the exact date. But, but you're going to Belo Horizonte? Belo Horizonte. Yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be there. So um, maybe uh, maybe in the future, if we're kind of connecting, I'll, I'll be done. I'll be done. So, so you know, I'll be I'll uh, be keen to see some of the SRF sites that. Um, yeah. Please, please do get in touch. You, you know. Looking forward to see you sometime here. Maybe like if I'm in, if I'm not here, like during the most of the year, for sure for vacations, I'll be. Epic, epic. Look forward to it. Mike, uh, just to, to offer you a moment, if anything, any kind of comments or reflections on, on the minute. Um, I keep asking myself when I hear about Kashi, why has, does the city have so many names? And is it ever gonna be called Kashi officially? I, I would find, find that uh, make it easier because like in the autobiography, they call it Benares. Then right now it's called Varanasi, right? And Guruji always called it Kashi because it was the ancient city of Kashi. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it would be a, a kind of um, make, making it easier for everybody. If it was just called Kashi. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds it sounds pretty cool, Kashi. Um, I'm looking up Kashi meaning. It's uh, uh, I don't yeah I'm getting I'm getting lots of IT terms. So <laughs> I think I spelled it wrong. But um, one for the future future uh, analysis I think. But thank you very much, gents. Thanks uh, for your time for joining us, Pablo. Thank you very much, everyone. Jagger, Jagger, Jagger.